We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we are broadcasting from, the Boorurung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. We would also like to acknowledge all the traditional owners from all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands you are listening from. What do you get when a Japanese Jewish woman, a Korean woman and a Nigerian Malawian woman get together to chat about living, working and raising families in Australia? You get Like Us, a podcast that is Anna Song, Noi Chasel and Zioni Walker Nintendo, three Australian women from different cultural backgrounds discussing their personal relationship with Australia and Australia's relationship with them. Hello, ladies. Hi, Noi. Hello. Hi, Zioni. Hi. Hi, Anna Hanoi. Oh, thanks, everyone. Thanks for the greeting. Okay. I got something. I got something that's – this is a topic I think we're going to – I don't know, go over and over. Do I need to hold your hands at this point? Yeah. For yeah. that extra bit of oomph I do, and courage? Yeah, I, you yeah. know, it's going to be something that we're going to talk about a lot. A lot. Are we going to cry? You know what? I'm, I'm, crying. <laughs> I'm crying. I'm crying at the thought of bringing it up. I'm crying inside. Oh God, Let's get on really? with it. Okay, okay. So I want to talk about motherhood. All right, folks? I want to talk about... Mm-hmm. I want to talk about all these aspects of motherhood and how we understand it. And it's brought on about, you know... So I've recently read some of my favourite books. Yes. 100 Days by Alice Paul. I love that book. Oh, I love Alice. And also even Pachinko, another book that I know is a, a shared favourite. Yes. Yes. Yes, between Noe and I. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also, look, you know, as you know, I'm writing my manuscript, which is all about mothers, daughters. It has to do with, you know, cultural narratives. And it has to do with mothering, basically, and how we do mother. It was brought on, this whole thought process for me was brought on by... Some a recent conversation I had with a friend mm-hmm. who is expecting her first baby. Oh wow! Yeah, hold on. I'm just Zioni. Like she has friends other than us, so let's just check that. For okay. a yeah. Moment. yeah. Did, you, did you notice the air quotes? Did you notice there were air yeah. quotes? Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll revisit we'll, that. Okay, well, that's another episode. But and this this poor woman having her first baby was brave enough to ask me about motherhood, and I was. You know, in my own stupidity, sprouted off a lot of you know nonsensical advice. wisdom. Yes, okay, advice, standard or like deep intuitive okay. sort of advice. Deep intuitive advice, and as I am just you know vomiting stuff, I was thinking to myself, all of this stuff is just me thinking about how I'm parenting and how I was parented, mm. but with the benefit of hindsight, right? Like, so for example, my I was raised with a very distinct sense of who I was or where I belonged, but I was only aware of it, you know, I don't know, 30 years later or something, mm. right? And by this I mean, and I don't know who can understand this, but there's a very distinct way of being raised where I wasn't praised a lot. Mm. And I wasn't praised a lot. Oh, goodness. Okay. So, Anna, so, okay, Anna, maybe you're getting me here. Like, I wasn't given a lot of I'm a great person, I'm... I wasn't given a lot of, you've done a great job. If I brought home an A, the first question I was asked by my mother was, who got the A plus? Exactly. So I resonate with that 100%. Um, And it has been, it still is a a contentious issue that, um, in essence, I am still trying to train my Korean mother into praising me genuinely mm. not to fake praise me just so that she can get me off her back but it was it was really difficult and raw 
for so, a while not to be praised when mm. I felt I deserved it. So it's an Asian thing, is what you're saying to me. It's mm. a, it's a very, it's like, so it's not tiger mom. I mean, that's because, but it's more like it does have to do with that value of humility. Yes, hum, being humble 100%. and modest. And I think any cultural upbringing where the modesty, yeah, and and making the self smaller, yes, uh, it, you know, there is some. That resonates yeah. with me because okay. if I, when I remember going back to Nigeria, a lot of the childhood stories were all centered around humility and modesty. So the humble and modest, usually a female, always wins the day. Mm. Always, every story, <laughs> the virtuous, that one, right. right? The one who goes for the smaller pot, ah, and then it breaks, and all of a sudden there are all these amazing things, and that's because she was humble. She made herself small. She oh, chose wow. the smaller thing, and therefore she was the winner in the end. Oh you know? wow, those type of narratives definitely resonate but the notion of mothering and being mothered that also resonates really strongly with me and I I think I was talking about a book I read by Edith Eager a very powerful writer she's written I think two or three books that are life-changing but she does ask a question and I can't remember it properly and I can't even paraphrase it but it's something around knowing when your parents stopped parenting you, Mm. right? And for some people, and I realized for me that that ended when I was about 13. Wow, that's early. That is very early, but I didn't realize that. I'm still getting parented by my mother, (laughs) I'm sure. I didn't realize that until I started noticing how I was parenting my daughter with this sense of, but you're 13, how come you don't know how to do this, that, and the other? And I was expecting all of these amazing things. And then I realized, oh my gosh, She's just 13. And the reason I was doing that was when I was 13, I moved to live with my dad in Japan, right? right? And so, and he had a very, very free way of parenting, right? Which was this notion of you do what you want to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. want to go to the school camp? Absolutely. You want to do whatever it is. Why do I have to sign all these papers? You know what? I'm going to get an engraving of my signature. Just stamp away. Oh, wow. Oh, whoa. Actually, whoa. actually I'm going to do that. That is, that is so brilliant. Yeah. I'm doing that. Stamp away. Yeah. Anything you want to do. Fine. Here's the money. Go off and, and so be it. Right. And he, I think he lived in Tokyo and we lived in Yokohama. So it wasn't like he was there every single day either. Wow. But then being in a different country that is completely a different language and culture I remember going to the supermarket and buying a thing and then realizing oh I thought it was milk it's detergent (gasps) because you don't don't know know. you don't know any different you can't read it so there are all of these references that we take for granted oh if there's a cow on the box it's most likely milk yes Yes. but not necessarily if you're in a different country right Right. all of those sorts of things and so I guess because I feel like I was 13 my sister was 12 my brother was 11 and we pretty much parented ourselves successfully for a couple Mm -hmm. of years I was having the same expectations of my daughter and seeing Mm. her crumbling under the weight of my Mm. expectations. And I really needed and I'm still having to take many steps back to say she's entitled to be a child. Can I ask you a question about this? Because Uh. I'm wondering if also the expectation of us or parents in a Western or predominantly white culture is different. So do you think, and I wonder this because I felt being raised in, you know, white societies, that my other my white counterparts got a lot more praise. Mm-hmm. Like they were they were it was okay. They were We're like, returning to the the praise yes, thing here. Yeah, we, yes. this, this is an issue. We we need to dis- discuss <laughs> it and, and all, nail it on first, the head. Yeah, because because first of all, A your daughter's the only. She deserves to be a kid. Yes. Deserves the pr- like. I, that's what I'm hearing. Like I and I feel that sympathy. Anna, 
yes, Mama Song should be singing your praises. Absolutely. <laughs> but is that just because of where we're living and what we're growing up and that's the cultural norm of, yeah. of, what the, of the dominant culture here? So I do want to make a couple of key points here. Like when, when growing up, so back to the re- yeah. like having hindsight, when I was a teenager and, and so forth, I, I did get hurt from the lack of praise. Yes. And I think I, I internalized it as lacking or not being good enough. Um, but now I realize my mother always was very proud of me and there was a devotion mm. and the love that I never questioned. 100%. Um, but there was always an equal level of, you know, Mama Song's desire for me to be better, to mm. to improve on the status quo. But I, th- I think when you're young, you kind of conflate the two um, as, you know, if she doesn't think I am enough, that must mm. mean that I am lacking. But it's, yeah. it's not that linear. No. Um, so I think that's one good thing about being older and reflecting on how you are parented. Mm. But the second thing about sort of praise and sort of quote-unquote training my mother to praise me. Um, My mother and I have a very different dynamic in our relationship to the relationship my mother had with my grandmother, her mother. Yes, yes. Because there was just absolute total obedience to a a point of reverence Mm. that my mom was, you know, she was raised that way and she didn't question it. So even when she was, I think, in her 40s, when my mother visited Korea and my grandmother was still alive, my grandmother would dictate what my mother would wear out. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. Um, both women, you know, love clothes and fashion was a big thing in their bond- bonding. And it wasn't contentious, this notion of no. you wear th- this. It was, oh, my mother has said this, so that's the end of it. Exactly. So wow. after my grandmother passed away, my mom started saying, I really didn't like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, isn't that incredible? I think that's what's really incredible is that, and I think I've done the same thing, is understanding how we were parented, as mm. your daughter will, as my children would, like how our kids will understand how we are parented mm. is also the story of how they are parented yes. and how we were parented. Yes. And it's the it's legacy of mothering, the legacy of parenting as we go on and on and on. It's their historical narrative. And I do want to weave back Alice Pung's book yeah. because there is kind of that um, young woman who, you know, uh, becomes pregnant, pregnant, who's a protagonist. And Zioni, like, I kind of see how that young protagonist in that book kind of raises herself to a point. Mm. Um, but also she's grappling with this very complex, nonlinear expressions of motherly love from her mother, exactly. trying to figure out how she's going to break some of the cycle mm. of what she didn't like about her Asian mother's parenting. But then there is also that recognition of love. And what Alice um, said to me, because I did do a review of that book, um, Alice was really surprised at the reaction by readers and reviewers. Some found certain portrayals of Asian motherhood in that book kind of shocking in a bad way. As in what? As in abusive. Yeah, Yeah. borderline, yeah, yeah, borderline abusive. But other readers and reviewers like me, for example, knew Recognized. could see it as love. Yeah. That complexity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, rather than the abuse. It was a it's just a very 
different yeah, expressions yeah, of love, motherly it's love. Language, it's a know, love language yeah. and a very different it's way a, of expressing correct. that. 100%. And it's interesting when you're when you are in a different type of society yeah. where the expression of love is different, is, correct? Right? Exactly. And how do you how do you navigate that? Yes. How do you how do your children navigate that when they're being shown love as it being expressed in a totally different way and you're showing love That's on the right. way that you've been shown. It's, it can be really difficult. And confronting for yeah. them because they're like, I want what my friends are having. Oh, that's, exactly. oh, that's what I see love exactly. as, which is exactly. exactly what you were saying, Anna, for yourself. Yes. And I, that's what I experienced myself as well as I was seeing love being ex- shown in one expression. I oh, was ex- praise. Correct. Yeah. And I was experiencing it in a different way. Same as you thinking, that doesn't, that means that I'm not loved. Yeah. So my mother didn't say I love you right. out aloud until I think I was in my 20s. And it was a, another thing, you know, I trained her to praise me. I trained her to say I love you. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so my mother wasn't an I love you type of pe- parent, even mm-hmm. though she was a very soft, nurturing mother. She wasn't an I love you type of parent either. But the difference, I suppose, was I, I was living in a majority Nigerian culture mm-hmm. where I love you was not really part of the parenting no. lexicon. So it still felt like love yes. until I came here and I kept hearing people saying, oh, my parents never said I love me. Therefore, I think they didn't love me. It's like, no, that's got nothing to do with it. So tell so, me, oh, sorry, exactly on that point, my mom one day actually lashed back out at me and said, just because I don't say those words, do you not know that I love you? Like, I love you so much, putting words to it, it's useless, is oh, what she said to me. Oh. And that that makes sense in hindsight yet yeah, again. Exactly. Yeah. When you're living through it as a kid. It, it, it's hard. Correct. It's raw. Like, it's, Correct. you know. And so I'm curious then, Zioni, for you, mm. what was... How was the love known? How was it shown to you growing up? And I think this is the same challenge I'm having with my daughter. With my mother, I knew that she was a soft place to land, right? Mm -hmm. So when I was talking about parenting before, you know, being parented by my father separately and being parented by my mother separately, he was trying to also understand it from my context. And I said, the difference is with my mother, it always felt unconditional. I I literally, literally knew that even if I hurt someone in the worst way, while she would recognize that it was a bad thing, I would still be loved. Hmm. That was the distinction for me. Yeah, wow. Whereas I feel that I haven't given my daughter that same amount of softness. Right. And so I'm having to navigate. I think I want to be tough for her so that she's tough so she can navigate this world, right? right? Like the world we were living was more accepting of me, but she's in a different world. So I want her to be tougher. And so I've got to be tough to prepare her for that world or this world rather. Um, And so I feel like I've conditioned myself to be harder Mm. because I think if I'm soft, then she'll be soft soft. and she won't make it. I'm about to cry just on this point because I think that is the exact struggle. A lot of people of, you know, diverse backgrounds, migrant backgrounds, whatever you want to call it, this this hurts. I mean, to me, this yeah. this is pain, having to make your love for your child tougher because society is so tough on you. And that kind of, I don't know, that kind of cuts me up inside. It's because a hard one because you want to be able to survive. Yeah. You want your children to survive. You need to be able to teach them to survive in a culture that is not where they're not going to be the majority. And yet at the same time, by doing that, you're worried that are they going to feel that same sense of acceptance and yes. love within themselves and understanding? Yes. 
in the moment. Yes. Because of course, retrospectively, they're going to see that and go, oh, I get it. I yeah. get it. I get it. So does this make you feel any paranoia about not being praised regularly? <laughs> <laughs> Has this healed that psychic wound? You know, to be honest... I think that there's a part of me that understands, has always understood mm. that that was part of love and mm. that's where we were going with that. And that and that always that, you know, my mother, of course, same, loves. And also it's part of her journey. Of, yes. That's the kind of love she can give exactly. because of what has happened in her life. Exactly. You know, she is a product of World War II. Mm. She was born in a torn up, troubled country mm. from a torn up, troubled family history. Mm. And she's giving love in a another language in another country to another child mm. you know of it in who has been raised in a nationality in a nation that is not even her daughter's own in some ways yeah. you know i mean when you think it's about layered. that it's layered as all of our stories are layered mm. so i think when we go forward and thinking about motherhood and mother love and how we love and we love others even how we give out love to partners and friends and family, all those stories have yeah. to come back and haunt us in yeah, a way. Definitely. Wow. That's gotten deep. That toughness and the wartime background and all of those yeah. historical legacies does remind me of my mother's reaction, Mama Song's reaction to Pachinko, which she watched. Um, oh. Uh, and it was such an experience actually watching it with her. Mm. Interesting. And for my mother, it wasn't actually Sanja, the main protagonist, that stayed with her the most. It was Sanja's mother. Wow. Wow. Um, and the character, but also the actress. And, you know, there is a scene where they say goodbye. And for my mother... Sanja's mother was the toughest the woman of, of them all. <laughs> Can I? Do I have time to tell you one thing about Pachinko? Yes, okay. Yes. So I love this book, Pachinko, which is about, you know, um, you know Japanese... Uh, Korean, Japanese Korean, families yeah, Korean, over Japanese. four generations. And also clearly tells, it talks about how badly Japanese people treated Korean, Korean nationals in Japan, right? So I gave my Japanese mother a copy of Pachinko very early yeah, on after I'd right. read it. And I loved it. You remember this, yeah, right? Yes, so I yes. gave it to my mother. She doesn't say anything about it. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Strange that she doesn't say anything yeah, about it, right? you would expect a reaction. Right, mm. right. So many, many months later, my mother says to me, I read the most fantastic book. You must read it. And I said, oh, my gosh, what is it? Pachinko. <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot believe you haven't read it. And I said, not only I did gave I read it to you. Yeah, not only did I read it, but I gave it to you. You did not. You didn't know such thing. <laughs> I think we've just come full circle. We've come full with the circle. lack of praise and now just just forgetfulness Completely. of the literary contributions you make to your mother's life. No. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Like Us, a new podcast by SBS. You'll find more episodes of Like Us on the SBS website, sbs.com.au slash like us. You can also subscribe to Like Us from the SBS radio app, Apple or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your hosts are Noe Harsel, Anna Song and Zioni Walker-Nintenda. We are produced and engineered by Michael Burrows at Brand Music and would also like to thank everyone at SBS radio, especially Caroline Gates, for their help and support.